There's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? When you think of the most iconic girls next door of modern times, near the top of that list has to be Pamela Beasley, the girl next desk to her shy, regular guy admirer, Jim Halpert. The girl next door has long represented an unassuming, everyday beauty, wholesome values, and a down-to-earth outlook. Maybe you're too glamorous. Take me. I'm more like the girl who lives next door. But girls next door in Hollywood have hardly been truly average in any way. More often, the trope is a way to make an exceptionally attractive actress feel attainable, unthreatening. Tomorrow, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to be Joey. Just Joey. You know, the two-talk girl from the wrong side of the creek. The Office does two revolutionary things with Pam. First, it actually makes her normal to an extreme. It is the whitest sneakers award because she always has the whitest tennis shoes on. Jim and the viewers fall in love with her because she captures what's amazing about being a regular person. She's so great. Second, rather than looking at Pam primarily through the eyes of her male admirer, the show digs into her psychology, maybe even more than any other characters on the show. It studies the effects of this extreme normality on her mental health. Here's our take on why Pam's commitment to normality is her strength, her downfall, and her burden to overcome. It would just, just make my heart sore if someone out there saw this and she said to herself, be strong, Trust yourself, love yourself, conquer your fears. Before we go on, we want to talk about this video's sponsor. Skillshare is an online learning community where you can learn everything from video editing to business strategy, coding, or lucid dreaming. They offer 25,000 online classes from famous teachers at the top of their field. And right now, Skillshare is offering our viewers two months access to all their classes for free. Just click the link in the description below to sign up now. TV viewers are used to women on screen being impossibly glamorous, super sexy, or impeccably intelligent, often all three, and maybe an athletic badass too. Get a hand? No thanks. So it's hard to overstate how bold and refreshing The Office's approach to Pam still feels. If you're using more than three pieces of tape to wrap a present, you're doing it wrong. It carefully avoids idealizing her, instead using her to represent a real woman and highlighting her normality as part of what makes her wonderful. I mean, it'll just be cool to have some after-work clothes that aren't pajamas. Pam's likability is the same reason The Office continues to have such enduring resonance with audiences. This show proves that actually, audiences want stories that investigate, study, and celebrate normal without caving to the temptation that almost all on-screen stories do to make life more exciting. I think an ordinary paper company like Dunder Mifflin was a great subject for a documentary. And nowhere is that exploration of regular deeper and more accurate than in the character of Pam. Normally, I find Pam to be a comforting, if unarousing, presence around the office like a well-watered fern. When she went for the role, the clearly beautiful Jenna Fisher said she was told by the casting director. She said, please look normal, don't make yourself all pretty, and dare to bore me with your audition. Those were her words, dare to bore me. Pam is not cool. We have good give and take. I give, he takes. And she's decidedly not stylish. Boscovs at the Steamtown Mall. You sure look good on the mannequin. <laughs> well, you have good taste. Pam, run a comb through your hair. 
So the show made it very clear from the beginning that Pam is as normal as normal can be. Do you still have the plans for the dream wedding that you couldn't afford? That was our dream wedding. But the interesting thing that happened as the show took off is that this normality itself actually made her aspirational. You're the best. I kind of am. It's crazy. Seen through Jim's eyes, Pam's friendly, perceptive, funny personality made her more appealing than plenty of other women who might score higher in typical metrics of status. You are, uh, you're like the new and improved Pam. Pam 6.0. When The Office opens, we meet an ensemble that's full of nutty, zany, over-the-top types, while Jim and Pam are the two normals, which comes out in the fact that they see the others around them clearly. This might make us think of what the expression down-to-earth actually means. It's being grounded and realistic, not having your vision clouded by pie-in-the-sky illusions. Eventually, though, Pam comes to feel too tethered to the earth. Dreams are just that. They're dreams. They help get you through the day. She might benefit from dreaming a little bigger. Real art takes courage, okay, and, and honesty. Well, those aren't Pam's strong points. Yeah, exactly. That's why this is motel art. The company is offering a, a design training program in New York. Well, I have a job right now, so I can't really take time off. While Pam embodies all these really healthy aspects of normal, over time, clinging excessively to an idea of normalcy is also her great flaw. Some of what she tells herself is satisfaction with normal is in fact apathy. It's just that the weekends aren't good because um, there are always a million reasons not to do something. Nothing happens quickly for Pam. It can take a lot of agonizing and years of unhappiness before she's motivated to change. Jim was five feet from my desk and it took me four years to get to him. Apathy manifests as an absence of positive feelings and interests and a hopelessness about the future. It's a response to disappointments and the belief that you're not good enough to overcome obstacles. Pam spends most of her time in a state of inertia, always ready to settle. And if he never comes back again, that's okay. We're friends, and I'm sure we'll stay friends. She believes that because she's not special, she doesn't deserve to be treated especially well. She starts season one with cripplingly low self-esteem. She's normalized disrespectful behavior from her fiance Roy that shouldn't be seen as okay. Man, I would be all over that if I wasn't dating Pam. And when I went to the bathroom, the game ended and they forgot about me. Okay, that's a joke. No, they had to come back for me. As the show goes on, she endures a series of setbacks that she classifies as personal failures. I'm not an artist, and I'm not a salesman. So what would you call it? There are many possible explanations for how Pam first became apathetic, but the daily office environment we observe is clearly a big factor that exacerbates this tendency in her. When we first meet her, she's been working at Dunder Mifflin for six years. Uh, Pam has been with us um, for forever, right Pam? And has become institutionalized. These walls are funny. First you hate them, then you get used to them. Enough time passes, you get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. The way she's treated signals to her that receptionist work is not important or worthy of respect. Even though she's widely liked and indispensable to the people around her, she's rarely thanked or applauded. I would never say this to her face, but she is a wonderful person and a gifted artist. What? 
Why wouldn't you say that to her face? But look at how much Pam actually does for this office, often above and beyond her job description. She instigates bonding activities. Did I wake up this morning thinking I'd be throwing together a bird funeral? Irons out problems. I tore my scrotum. I need you to take me to the hospital. Offers total support to those in need without being asked. Remember how it felt when he cheated on you, though? Which time? and absorbs the worries and troubles of others. Pamela Beasley Halpert is my best friend. There's a word for the unappreciated work Pam does around the office, emotional labor. This term was coined in the 1980s by sociologist Arlie Hochschild, and she used it to mean the act of, quote, performing or deliberately obscuring emotions at work. So far, so Pam, right? Michael, do you remember you specifically told me to only bring one sheet of paper? Mm. You said it only takes one sheet to make a difference, and I said, are you sure, Michael? And you said, Pam, Pam, Pam. I don't. Okay. I'll go look for another one. Since then, the term has come to encompass broader emotional work, including acts of feeling, listening, communication, and caring. Got you this card. When you're ready, we all signed it. We just wanted you to know we're thinking about you. Things like remembering to call elderly relatives, comforting a friend who's upset, checking in on neighbors. Go up and check on him, he's upset. You know he's doing all this on purpose. Please, just make sure he's okay. It's almost always unpaid and, not exclusively, but often undertaken by women. Pam's role as the office's human glue, a sounding board, an emotional support worker, the provider of gentle nudges, is a classic example of someone taking on the lion's share of emotional labor for a group. Michael! Michael! Hey! Hi! Hi, I was just coming out to see what you're doing and maybe stop you. So because most of the great stuff Pam does has no value or compensation attached to it, she internalizes a feeling of worthlessness that's very tough to shake. I just, I don't think it's many little girls dream to be a receptionist. Making the problem worse is all the casual workplace sexism Pam endures. Pam Beasley, office hottie. She will do you. If you think she's cute now, you should have seen her a couple of years ago. What's incredibly realistic and powerful about how the office portrays this situation is that nothing ever comes of it. Pam Pam and her Pam Pams. Wow, I have said some crude things about those. The harassment is more or less constant. Usually the day we talk about sexual harassment is the day that everyone harasses me as a joke. So we can see why Pam feels that to object to any one instance would be futile and instead ends up normalizing this behavior. I don't have my uh, contacts. Bad. Bernie, I can't even hear you. It's just noise coming out of an ugly scientist. The picture we often see on screen is an impossibly beautiful woman being appreciated for her looks. So it's easy to fall into the assumption that, even if it's annoying, this kind of attention gives a woman confidence. The office shows that's a myth. Pam is worn down by the onslaught of scrutiny. Well, I remember why I dress the way I do at work. Pam's looks are subject to constant commentary as everyone feels entitled to weigh in and evaluate her. She'd probably be a six in New York, but she's like a seven here in Scranton. It's a very recognizable situation. When a woman is labeled attractive, a debate frequently ensues about how attractive or not attractive she truly is. She looks like a monster. Guys, she is a beautiful movie star. So maybe we should just go to work. She's not hot. Who thinks that Hillary Swank is hot? Raise your hand. Over the show's run, the sexual harassment towards Pam gradually dissipates as she becomes a mother and ages out of the category in which women are deemed fodder for this kind of analysis. You're at your most attractive when you were 24 with a slight gradual decline and a steep drop off when you got pregnant for the first time. Gradual recovery and, uh, well, now 
Obviously, you're at an all-time low. It's no coincidence that as she sexualized less over time, she gradually starts to stick up for herself and go after what she wants more. There are a few ways to get promoted. One is to wait for an opening and apply for it. That's the main way. But this could work. Punctuating Pam's resting state of inertia, something fierce periodically surfaces in her, rebelling against her smothering apathy with sudden, snap decisions to assert herself and be bold. Except I, I don't want to be a receptionist anymore. Right. Executive assistant. Salesman. These many moments of retaliation and growth feel like big victories for Pam. I've decided that I'm going to be more honest. I'm gonna start telling people what I want directly. The brave Pam feels like the real Pam, in a sense. The Pam we root for. Why didn't any of you come to my art show? I invited all of you. That really sucked. Whereas much of the time she's holding her tongue, being nice, not saying what she really thinks. Pam's biggest victory is arguably creating the role of office administrator for herself. Is one of you the office administrator? I am. I'm the office administrator. She eventually recognizes that all this hard work she's been doing in the office deserves a legitimate title and fair salary. I get paid 40 a year. Great. Maybe 50. 50? No, not 50. 41. That's great. So because this doesn't exist yet in her workplace, she takes charge and creates meaningful change through channeling that gutsy person we love within Pam. Say it. Mm -mm. Say that I'm lying or say I have the job, make a definitive statement, Gabe. So as it turns out, I may not have done so hot on my customer reviews this year. Maybe it's because you spent the whole year flirting with the receptionist. Another aspect of normality we see explored through Pam is her love with Jim, which echoes the trajectory of so many real relationships, from the first flutters of romance to the excitement of getting together through long-distance love, unplanned pregnancy, diverging interests, and marriage counseling. You woke up early with the kids and let me sleep, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that you appreciate that. This is so rare on TV, which tends to focus on the drama of love connections sparking or imploding. Watching the many stages of regular life this couple goes through is in many ways a lot more interesting and lets us see ourselves in Jim and Pam. I've been putting the kids to bed by myself every night for months, and you had to miss one phone call. Is that your truth, Jim? That's really your truth? I guess I will swallow my truth. Are you guys high? Near the end, though, this question of whether normal is enough forms the central test of their marriage. I just, I, I liked our life in Scranton. And I have started a business in Philadelphia. Pam feels she's totally content with their typical family life. Dwight, you may find this hard to believe, but I love my boring life. Come on. Exactly the way it is. No. But when she voices her vision of their future in front of Jim. I don't think anything's going to change in our lives now. With work and two kids, I just. Nothing interesting is going to happen to us for a long, long time. He's visibly shell-shocked. Pam thinks she doesn't need more than they already have, but Jim realizes he does. There's always something better. And in this conflict, all the issues we've been talking about in Pam's character come to a head. I don't want to give him an ultimatum, but I am not moving our family to Philly. As she resists Jim's drive to go after a more fulfilling career, we have to ask, is this coming from her healthy contentment with normality or her apathy rearing its ugly head? Even if it was um, a great boss and a great job, I just, I don't, I don't know if I, if I want, um, I don't know if I want this. 
This is a little out of left field. Is it? It's not always easy to tell. If I didn't do certain things without telling Pam, she'd be married to Roy. Should we constantly be wanting more? Or is it a virtue to be happy with less? On the one hand, Pam's aversion to change denies Jim the freedom to pursue a professional passion, something he's finally doing for the first time after years of wasting his potential at a job he doesn't really like. When he's excited about something, like the Office Olympics, he gets really into it and he does a really great job. But the problem with Jim is that he works here, so that hardly ever happens. Jim apparently begins to wonder if Pam is what's been holding him back. Well, if Pam says she won't go, then <laughs> we're gonna need a lot more than counseling. When the couple goes to Roy's wedding and he's suddenly become this amazing guy with his new partner. He plays piano? No. Roy? No. Both Jim and Pam seem worried that by not expecting more of Roy, Pam was somehow partly responsible for his stagnation. I mean, seriously, gotta dodge the bullet on that one. I'm just kidding. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Of course, it's totally unfair to blame Pam for Roy's lack of growth while they were together. But the question is raised in Jim and Pam's minds while they talk about whether it's important to still have surprises in their lives. We still surprise each other. When Jim wants to work in Philly, Pam almost seems hurt that he's showing this level of enthusiasm for something besides her, as expressed in her fixation on whether she's enough for him. And I'm afraid that this is not you. enough for you, and I'm afraid that I'm not enough for you. Meanwhile, Jim's dishonesty, coupled with his lack of appreciation for what she's doing to make this possible for him. I'm doing everything I can every week to bring home I something am, for I, our family. I am trying to make everything perfect here, okay? So that you can have everything that you want. Brings out the revelation from Pam that she's been stifling her honest reactions to a number of events in their life before now. Jim has repeatedly failed to communicate or consult her on important joint decisions. But because he presented his actions as grand gestures of love, she felt she couldn't protest. He took this job in Philly without telling me. He bought our house without telling me. At a certain point, he shouldn't be rewarded for that. It's only really in the final season that we see the toll that this has gradually taken on her. I don't know what I was so worried about. I have the best wife in the world. I still can't believe he didn't tell me. The Office isn't a show with explosive plots every episode. It's slow and steady, just like everyday life. Their crisis in the last season illustrates that there doesn't have to be dramatic anger or a torrid affair at the root of a marital breakdown. You know what? I I don't think you want to start a conversation with me about what's fair. A pattern of poor communication can be enough. So you invested $10,000 to look like a team player? Once Jim proves that their normal family life is everything to him, that he doesn't need anything else, you are everything. Her insecurity and feeling of imbalance is cured. And in the finale, brave, bold Pam emerges once more with a big gesture to support Jim. And I could come to you with this big Jim gesture and show you all at once just how much I love you and how much I really do believe in your future. So we can only hope that her apathy will at last be kept at bay. While this healed Pam may have a slightly more exciting life, when we leave her, she's still a pretty average person, and that's the point. 
She takes her life purpose from her family, as so many of us do, and doesn't end up as some kind of inspirational female symbol with an amazing career. Her endpoint probably left a lot of viewers with a degree of mixed feelings, which proves The Office stuck with its honest portrait of the normalcy mindset through this character to the end. From the outside looking in, even Pam herself can see what she should be doing differently. I kept wanting to scream at Pam. It took me so long to do so many important things. But The Office spends a great deal of time inside Pam's mind, making us understand why she's so easily satisfied with less. The phrase, girl next door, contains its point of view right there in the words. It's the girl next to our protagonist. Instead, The Office zeroes in on Pam herself, exploring how it feels to be that shy girl who's sidelined, belittled, critiqued, and underappreciated until she finally learns to be aggressive and believe in her self-worth. I did the coal walk. Just, I did it. Michael, you couldn't even do that. Maybe I should be your boss. Apart from these surmountable perils that can arise from the normal is enough mentality, Pamela Beasley Halpert exemplifies time and again the beauty in the ordinary. Why do you use your name when you answer the phone? Oh, that's how Pam does it. I just copy her. She's, she's sort of a living legend. Her life isn't perfect. Stop dating my mother! But it's filled with perfect moments. And the rest of us can hope to be blessed by such perfectly wonderful pieces of normal, too. So, look out, world, because old Pammy is getting what she wants. And don't call me Pammy. Hi, guys. I want to talk to you about Skillshare an online learning community we love. With over 25,000 classes taught by seasoned pros, Skillshare has a class on pretty much anything you could want. You can develop your creativity through a class on calligraphy, graphic design, or writing. You can learn to succeed in business with classes on how to make it as a freelancer, market a podcast, or become an Instagram influencer. You can use it to master new technology through classes on web design, coding, and data science. Or you can bring that extra flair into your lifestyle, sharpen your knife skills, learn paper making, speak Spanish, or let illustrator Vashti Harrison teach you how to bring your digital illustrations to life. Right now, Skillshare is offering our viewers two months access to all their classes for free. Just click the link in the description below and check it out today.